Shortly after this episode was recorded, voice actor Ed Blaylock, best known for his roles in series such as Full Metal Alchemist, One Piece, and most recently Overlord, passed away on April 19th, 2017, at the age of 64, after a battle with cancer. We here at the Dub Talk Podcast would like to offer our deepest condolences to his family, friends, and fans in this troubling time. Rest in peace, Mr. Blaylock. In the words of a once great king, thanks to the idiosyncrasies of humanity, it was, at least, a life worth living for. Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains strong language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. All right, that was pretty good. I did it, yeah! Oh, wait, there's more. Also, there is always the possibility... Also, there is always the possibility of spoilers for any anime to occur, so be careful while listening in case there's a series you probably haven't finished yet. And I think that's pretty good. Um, we'll just cut out that last bit because, I mean, who's going to take Ayn seriously with a voice like this? I mean, I wouldn't. Shaltier wouldn't. Sebus wouldn't. The Pleiades wouldn't. Would Albedo still take me seriously even if I sounded like this? She probably wouldn't. This is giving me a lot to think about. Um, I gotta call this session early. Uh, no retakes or anything. I gotta get back to Nazareth. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of MMORPG players get together and discuss their thoughts on a recent English dub announcement or review the dub of a series that was released on home video. I'm Stephanie, and I'm joined tonight by the one and only master of manliness, Spaceman Hardy. Hello, my dear friends. Oh, dear God, we're starting this already? <laughs> as well I am the master as... of manliness. <laughs> Sit down, Liam Neeson, we're not there yet. Not until I get my cappuccino. <laughs> as well as the badass chart master himself, Roots of Justice. Greetings. About the, I thought you were for a second that you were gonna go into your uh, lobster hat, Mena. Oh God! <laughs> I was expecting. Hold okay. on. Here it comes. <laughs> Yay! <clears throat> I'm from Mainder Bob. This ain't even my goddamn final farm. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was hilarious. Yeah. Every time I watched it while editing the vlog. Oh well oh, now. God. Well now I gotta go Mississippi. He's like. Well, dad gum, this here's the best dad gum anime I think I done ever seen. This ain't even one percent of my power to double. <laughs> I, I I can go into a British accent, even though I'm not originally from England. Well, here's the deal. Ju- well, ju- just so I don't feel left out, but right. <laughs> anyway, so today. We're getting our gaming on as we dive into the world of Yggdrasil as we tackle one of the latest additions to the MMORPG genre of anime. Of course, we're going to be talking about Overlord, the summer 2015 series from Madhouse Studios. Wait, wait, wait a second. If- we're not talking about Log Horizon? We're not talking about Dot Hack? We're not talking about the greatest show of all time, obviously, Sword Art Online? That's I it. I'm out of here. I will kill you. I will kill you. This wasn't what we talked about. Yeah. 
don't you start with me. This is probably one of the few shows from this goddamn genre I can actually stand. Isekai. Isekai. Oh my god. Anyway, if you are unfamiliar with this series, quick little, quick little summary. On the night his favorite MMORPG is scheduled to be shut down, veteran player Momonga stays logged in until the clock hits zero. The screen goes dark for only a few moments before he finds himself completely immersed in the online world of Idrisil. Left with all of his character's devastating powers, total dominion over his loyal NPCs, and nothing better to do, Momonga decides to try his hand at taking over the world. You know, as you do. Mm-hmm. All the hours he spent grinding and dungeon crawling have certainly paid off, and as he tests his strength on local rogues and legendary beasts, he comes to realize that not one opponent can stand against his might. Embracing his new identity as the fearsome mage Ainz Ulgon, Momonga continues his search for bigger, badder adversities, leaving the people of Yggdrasil to wonder who exactly is trapped with who. In other words, he's basically overpowered character like Kirito, only he's a giant skeleton and he doesn't totally suck. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, and he's actually more more likable and redeemable mm. as a person than Kirito. But anyway, as always, we're going to be covering the dub from this series using Funimation's Otakon 2016 press release uh, with our thoughts on the casting and the full thoughts on the performances of the English dub. So, once again, final reminder, if you have not seen the show of the show Overlord, there are going to be spoilers for the show, not just the dub, for the show itself. So we're going to tell you who all dies and everything, so. Spoiler much, alert. Yeah. yeah. So, I suggest, of course, going back, seeing the show, then come back here later. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right. Final warning, spoilers are bound. Let's get into this. Rocks fall, so, everyone dies. <laughs> Everybody's, all my friends are dead. All right, let us rain our mighty power down upon the people and show them no mercy. We shall shall begin our conquest with the ADR director and the lead writer. Uh, Now, this is probably one of the more, I personally, I think one of the more surprising parts because Overlord was one of those shows that it took a little while for them to actually announce a cast. Again, this originally aired like summer 2015, and I think we we got what well, the press re- press release was Otakon, so that was what June, July of 2016. I think probably or closer to August. Mid August, I think. Mid August. Maybe yeah. So it was at, le- at least a good year or close to it, and then. The DVD came out in November, around my birthday, actually. <laughs> Which Convenient. Was cool. Convenient. Um, I didn't pick it up at Yoma when we were there, though, so damn. Uh, but anyway, um, so here's the interesting thing in terms of the, the director and the lead writer. I'm actually going to start with the lead writer first on this one. Uh, the lead writer is Josh Greeley, and the ADR director is Mr. Kyle Phillips. Uh, Now, of course, you probably usually hear us talk about these two individuals rather frequently. Uh, In terms of Josh Greeley and other writing credits, he has been the writer for Castletown Dandelion, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, as well as Tokyo Ghoul. 
and Kyle Phillips. He is the director for, or has directed, Izetta the Last Witch, Ultimate Otaku Teacher, and Dance with Devils. Though I think Overlord is probably the first home video release that he's directed, because a lot of his stuff has been broadcast dubs up until this point. Right, yeah. He's been basically cutting his teeth on the lesser known, um, more type of shows that the bigger directors sort of pass over yeah. as far as broadcast dubs are concerned. Yeah. Mm. So in terms of just going straight into thoughts onto that, I think cause, cause yeah, Kyle Phillips, he's been one of the directors who usually stuck cutting his teeth on some of these kind of rough shows or lower key ones. This is probably the best dub that I've seen him direct so far. I was yeah, going to agree would, with that. I would definitely Honestly. agree with that statement. I think Kyle has, I think the reason it it works as good as it does, and I'm not saying Kyle hasn't done other decent dubs, uh, but there's always been something a little bit off to them. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think, given the fact that he actually had time to sit and work on it, he wasn't. That's my big, thoughts exactly. He wasn't rushed on it with, because it was a broadcast dub. He actually had time to to take his time and, and work through. And he had he was blessed with a very talented cast as well. Exactly. So, yeah, I do think that he really, uh, that this is probably the best Kyle Phillips dub in his repertoire. Which makes you kind of wonder, because there was a recent announcement for another home video release coming up in the summer where he's the director for it. We're not going to talk about it right now. But, and I've I personally never seen that show Anyway, I'm curious to know how that one's going to sound, given that he's going to he's going to have had much more time to work on it compared to like these broadcast dubs again. I'm not familiar with it. Can you type it in the Skype chat so I know, so we don't ruin it to the audience? Ah, okay. I got you. That will be interesting. And yeah, not to mention, you know, he's got a little bit more experience with said show that's coming out in the summer that we're probably going to do an episode for. Yeah, which is why we're not going to be talking about it right off the bat. Um, <laughs> mm. But yeah, I feel like, I mean, we this is not going to be a definite thing, because obviously this is the first home video release we're seeing from him. If, like, this streak kind of keeps up, I feel like Kyle will have much more stronger dubs with home video releases than broadcast dubs, because they're not, they're not perfect. Broadcast dubs are never perfect. They never are. Right. Well, I mean, Blood Blockade Battlefront. Well, you can't be Blood Blockade Battlefront, like, all the time. True. Well, that one's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah. But, like... Yeah, you're right. Broadcast dubs are never perfect, but they... Yeah, yeah, but at least up until this point, again, we'd never seen Kyle Phillips work on a home video release. At least for a good amount of the other... At least directors that we had that were working on broadcast dubs, at least up until the point when Overlord was released, they at least had a home video release in there somewhere. Right. I mean, like, throw an an example in there, because I feel like he probably started directing somewhere around the same time as Kyle Phillips did, Clifford Chapin. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, also considering the fact that when you take a director who was iffy on a broadcast dub and then give them a home video release, they might Mm. just put out a stellar effort. Case in point... Sonny Strait. We gave him nothing but crap in 2015, but then he yep. came back with Rage of Bahamut in 2016 and Yuri on Ice and yeah. just completely blew us away. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely, this is a strong dub 
um, for Kyle mm. Phillips and leading into <laughs> leading into yes. uh, our lead writer person Josh Greeley, mm-hmm. aka the person who is the reason uh, that Stephanie can never listen to Sexy Back quite the same way again. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> yeah. I might have I had listen- something to do with uh, that. Basically, I was driving the other day while I was at work. Sexy Back came on the radio, and I was like, shit, I can never love this song again because <laughs> everybody freaking ruined it. Anyway, I feel like for Josh's writing, because... This is one of the few times where I've actually seen Josh as a writer on his own. Like, Mm -hmm. usually the other shows I've seen him write, he's always had someone with him. Granted, to be fair, I have not seen Iron-Blooded Orphans. I don't know how that went. Um, But... Because a lot of times he's paired off with Monica, I think. Yeah, a lot of times. Or there's a few other writers mixed in, but mostly it's Monica. I... I kind of want to say that he was a really good choice for this particular show because it's one of those things where not only do you have a really strong fantasy element, you have a strong video game element, and I felt like Josh is able to capture that rather well. Yeah, I noticed a lot of RPG, MMORPG lingo that that was Mm -hmm. tossed in there. And it didn't feel awkward because it felt natural to the, um, the the scene. Whereas you go and watch another show sort of like like Ultimate Otaku Teacher or Prison School where you have a bunch of these weird catchphrases tossed in. And they're so out of nowhere. They just don't make much sense. Here it didn't ever feel like that. It felt like it was incorporated in naturally. You could pick up on it that it was there. I'm like, oh yeah, they're making a they're making a video game reference, but it didn't feel like it clashed with, with the dialogue. And the few times that it did, the characters actually picked up on it. Like Momongo would make a reference, like this is a spell that costs several MP, and the characters like, I'm sorry, what's MP? He's like, oh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's this yeah. stuff or thing. It was done well on purpose, so yeah, yeah, and then like, and it was really easy to get like the I at least for me because I don't really play video games so I don't have a lot of knowledge of like RPG or MMO RPG video games so and I'm still able to understand what these what this lingo and these references are rather easily so not only is it integrated there seamlessly but I feel like it's at least easy to understand for people who aren't familiar with that genre of gaming and not to mention you know on occasion, in particular, I uh, Sword Art Online comes to mind, where it was just over-saturated with MMO references, yeah. not really well explained, and I didn't really get that here. Well, to yeah. be fair, most of Sword Art Online wasn't really well explained anyways, because it wasn't really well written. Touché. But... Yeah. yeah, that Sword Online is one of those cases where, in terms of the dub, it's more of the fault of the show itself. Right. In terms of writing. But, um, yeah, I would definitely have to say, at least on the technical side of it, uh, directing and writing is really, really solid. Yeah. I have to agree. Yeah. Woohoo! Yay! 
we're off to a good start here, folks. Yeah. Um, because we have so, a lot of characters to cover, so we need to keep moving on. <laughs> At least it's not Token Rambu. Oh, my. <laughs> it's not, not Token Rambu. I'm not editing that episode, so I have no idea how that went. <laughs> or Dargan Rambu. okay. Oh, yeah, Roots was there. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. All right. So moving into our cast of characters, a lot of this is going to be in groups, save for two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first group of characters we're going to be talking about, they are a group of adventurers um, that Momonga, a.k.a. Ainz, um, encounters for at least a good chunk of the middle part of the series. Um, they, are, they call themselves the Swords of Darkness. Actually, if um, you want to be technical about it, Momonga mm-hmm. and Ainz doesn't encounter it. It's actually Momon the warrior who encounters these gentlemen. He has Momon three... And, no, Momon and Nabe. Yeah, he has three different aliases he goes by, but continue. Anyway, um, yeah, the Swords of Darkness. They are these adventurers that uh, the adventurer Momon joins, um, as well as Nabe. And they go on this little expedition and all this kind of stuff happen. But the bottom line for these four characters... Um, they died. They're dead. <laughs> they died. And then, uh, be- well, three of them at least uh, became zombies. Mm. And then they died again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then one was just brutally tortured to death. Yeah. Nina deserved better, y'all. Nina deserved so much better. Yeah. She deserved so oh, much better. Right. Hey, Stephanie. She was the one. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, I'm freaking dying here. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so going into who voices these characters, we'll start with Nina. Nina, um, she just to give context to her a little bit, she disguises herself as a boy, but is actually a girl. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the other Swords of Darkness, they never knew about it, from what I could tell. Uh, Nina. Nina is voiced by Miss Laura Woodhull, whom you have seen in shows such as Dead Man Wonderland, Unbreakable Machine Doll, and as Hardy just quoted, Princess Jellyfish. As the qu- jellyfish in question. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, uh, Lucret Volve, who is the ranger for the Swords of Darkness. That is Mr. Christopher Waycamp, whom you have heard in Joker Game, Laughing Under the Clouds, and this season currently as the understudy for... Um, Eraserhead in My Hero Academia. He's currently stepping into the role for Alex Oregon because of scheduling issues. Um, which, by the way, if I can just say, mm-hmm. I didn't know that was Chris Wakem until the press release came out. <laughs> I could tell something was different, but he does a pretty good job. It's not exactly like Alex sounds, but uh, you know, I considering mean, considering everything that's happened, I I can he he does a good job. Yeah, he's a really good stand-in, so go Chris Wakehamp, man. Yeah. Well, I uh, like Chris anyway, so, you know. He, he's, he's really cool. He's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Woodwonder, who is... God, which is he again in the group? He's the fat I, paladin. Oh, right, paladin. paladin. I was, okay. I was, thinking, of the, I was thinking of the class. I'm like, which class is he? Yeah, um, that yeah would be it was Mr. either... Ben- he was either paladin or cleric. Mm. One of the two. Um, he's played by Mr. Ben Phillips, whom you've heard in Garly Animation, High School, DxD New, and Mikagura School Suite. Who wants though, to climb the mountain? Though, oh, God damn it. Though, um, when I was looking at the A&N credits real quickly before we recorded this, he's done a, he has a lot of subtitled credits. Mm-hmm. For a lot of shows, actually. Like, going back to, like, Initial D of all things, for God's sake. 
Um, and then we have finally Mr. Peter Mork, uh, who Naru, is Naru. essentially yes. Naru Nanu. Oh, oh. Jeez. <laughs> I thought you were saying no, no, no. <laughs> God damn it. Nanu Nanu. Peter Peter Mork. <laughs> I was wondering if you're gonna do it again. Never mind. Um. Peter Mork, who is the de facto leader of the Swords of Darkness. He is voiced by Mr. Clifford Chapin, whom, of course, you have heard in roles like Princess Stride, Yon of the Dawn, and... Because <laughs> I wanted to do this so bad. Uh, gangsta. <laughs> he is in Gangsta. Yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> He's also Just... a huge dork, and he probably sleeps with a teddy bear. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna say this for two seconds. I'm the I'm, I know Hardy's not the biggest fan of Mikhail from Gangsta. I'm not the biggest fan of Mikhail from Gangsta. <laughs> but I don't give a shit if you want to troll the hell out of Hardy and do little more voices, <laughs> little more voices. It's the funniest shit ever. I mean, just saying. Yeah. Um. Okay. So in terms of. <laughs> and then a the grudge was born. Oh, <laughs> a grudge was born. <laughs> Eternal War. Um, in terms of the performances from these four individuals, how do we feel about them? I think they all did their jobs. They, uh, these characters, they're not around for very long. They don't make that big of an impression, except for maybe Nina, because of what happens to her and her tragic backstory. But uh, they all were adequately performed. I think they all did a good job, and... I think that's all I have to say on the matter. Roots, how do you feel about these four? Laura Woodhull does a pretty good job playing the girl who pretends to be a boy. Um, I don't remember much about Luke Root. Luke Root was the one who was always hitting on Nabe. Okay, okay, okay. I, I thought that was... Uh, never mind. Okay, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> he had some pretty comedic scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ben Phillips plays the father figure pretty well. And hey, what can I say about Cliff Shapen that hasn't already been said? Huzzah! Yeah. I think the big thing for me, and I wrote this down as a note, um, the four of them have a really good dynamic and work really well off of each other. And I think Momonga actually mentions that in the show. Is exactly. That, yeah, is that they're sort of like this tight-knit family that reminds mm -hmm. him of back in his own uh, adventuring MMO days where mm -hmm. he was with the other guys with Nazarek. Um, yep. Mm -hmm. Or Yggdrasil um, or whatever. Yggdrasil, yes. Whichever it is. Um, ben Phillips I haven't really heard much from before outside of Garo and even then I still need to finish watching season one. Um, but this is this is an interesting role here. Uh, Chris Wakecamp, I don't think think I've heard at least this tone of voice before from him. It is different from what he usually plays. Yeah. So I know I appreciate that and I find that to be a treat because I mean I'm used to like the Joker game Chris Waycamp here. So definitely a nice shift and change. And like Ruth said what else is there to say about Cliff Chapin at this point? And Laura Woodhull is a precious cinnamon roll too good and pure for this world and fuck you Clementine for doing what you did to her. Yeah. Oh, Clementine gets hers, and I will get. I w I'm going to bring that up when we get to it. Oh man, um, yes. I know the big thing with Nina's character. Her backstory is um, is that she's trying to rescue her older sister, mm. and I kind of she doesn't like do too good of a job, unfortunately. 
Well, she probably... Because, well, I looked into it a little bit more because I was curious about the story. I don't know if it's going to come up in the second season because we have a confirmed second season on the way, folks, which mm-hmm. I'm very happy about. Um, from my understanding, her older sister um, was essentially sold in as like a, sold into like prostitution and sex slavery in a sense. Yikes. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And she does get rescued. She actually gets rescued by one of the characters we're going to talk about in a little bit. And it's not Ainz, just to let you know. Um, so, yeah, I say bottom yeah. line, these four have a really good dynamic working with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and then they get their heads cut off. Yeah. Yep. Which, which, which it's the only way to be depressing. sure. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of depressing. Um, so That's why, you know, a, a bottle of zombie repellent is nothing but a shotgun with four shells in it. Oh, my God. Nice. Moving on. Oh. Moving on. Our next group of characters. These three. I'm. These three. They, they have nothing to do with each other. They have nothing really to do with each other. But I'm just. We're just going backwards in the press release itself at this point. Um, so the next three characters we're going to be talking about. Gazif Stronoff. He is basically this big head warrior for um, the. It's Resestes Kingdom. I think he is. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, yep. Then we have. Ninferia Belier. Wow. Inferia Belier. Inferia Belier. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a pharmacist who works with his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big thing for his character is um, he is in this world. They in this world there are some people that have this really really like gifted natural born talent of some kind. Um, Nina is actually one as well. Um, where in her case she's able to pick up on magic and spells really quickly and easily. In Feria, he is able to use magical items with ease. Uh, let me tell you about the next character, the king of the forest. Oh, this, man. This diabolical beast that is feared throughout the lands is really just a giant gerbil. He's very cuddly and yes. adorable. And he's adorable. Yes. Yes. That I am. Yes. <laughs> and he has a and he has a very very interesting speech pattern. Hamski. Mm-hmm. Hamski is the third character we're trying to be talking about. Yeah. Um, Imagine so. Yoda as a giant gerbil, basically. Basically. King of yeah. the forest, I am. Well, there's an interesting thing about the way it speaks. It's um. Think of uh, Kenshin Himura. Basically, it's it was a I can't remember if it was a formal or informal form of speech in feudal Japan. Okay. But that was basically how it was translated into English. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. All right. Anyway, but he's a big rat. Big rat with like a snake tail or some shit going on. (laughs) It's not even snake tail. It's just a big tail. Like he's a not. Tail he's not a hamster. He's a gerbil. There's a difference because I used to own a hamster when I was a kid, and hamsters do not have tails. I Ger- have a hamster too. I yeah. had a hamster when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I had a guinea pig. Either way, <laughs> um, the individuals who voice these three characters, uh, we're gonna start with Hamsky. Uh, Hamsky mm-hmm. is voiced by Miss Heather Walker, whom you have heard in series such as Luck and Logic, World Break, and Shangri La. Most of the time, in Shangri-La, she was just screaming at the top of her lungs, basically. Like, 90% of the time. I still have yet to see Shangri-La. 
I own that, and I still need to see You're it. You're really not missing much, to be perfectly honest. Although, it is funny, uh, it is interesting to hear Kent Williams voice a transgendered character. About to say, didn't you tell me one time that Kent Williams is like a transgender person or something there yes. somewhere? Yes, transsexual, okay. in fact, not just transgender. Like, Ooh. had the operation and everything, so... I feel like I should watch the show just for that performance. <laughs> it's actually one of the better performances in the dub, to be perfectly honest. It's, well, it's really it's, commendable. It's also Kent Williams, so I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Kent Williams is freaking amazing. Um, Ninferia Baliar is voiced by Miss Morgan Berry, whom you have heard in shows such as Eld Live, Shona Maid, and My Hero Academia. Mm -hmm. And of Stronoff, the big burly manly man. Uh, Ray Hurd voices this character. You've seen him in the only real major kind of roles like found. Um, Tokyo ESP and One Piece. Um, and he has a variety of minor roles. He actually doesn't have too many credits as of now. Um, but he has a, at least a variety of minor roles, for, including Dimension W. Um, mm -hmm. How do we feel about these performances? Can I just go off and say that Gazif is probably my favorite character in the entire show for obvious reasons? <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Yes, yes. As a fan of big, manly anime men, no homo, of course. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, he just, he is easily the manliest character in the show, and I think he just stole every scene he was in. So, yeah, um... Props to Ray Hurd for playing him. I think he did a fantastic job. And I hope to see more. I kind of spoiled myself on what happens to Gazif, and I think it's completely bullcrap. But hopefully we'll get to see more of him in the second season. Oh, I didn't spoil myself on Gazif, so I don't know what happens. Shit. Yeah. I really only I really only looked into the Nina situation. I mean, I'd never heard of Ray Hurd before. <laughs> so this is my first time encountering him. It's different than what I was expecting. But at the same time, I thought it was really good performance as well. Especially for, like, I would say relative newcomer. Not a 100% newcomer, but at least relative. Like, he's really, like, starting to break into more major roles now. He's one. Of, he's probably one of those who's been in, at, in Funimation's talent pool for a while, but is now slowly starting to get more exposure. Right. Um, I mean... This is a really good role to re to just kind of set him up a little bit more, I would say. What did you think, Roots? Well, I, I'm probably a little more familiar than you guys with Ray Hurd because I do a little more than casually watch One Piece. Mm. So I am aware of his role as uh, Kizaru. I have no idea who that is. Uh, then again, I don't the... watch One Piece. Like, one of the three big military guys. Ah, I gotcha. Is he up there um, with Smoker or something? Even bigger. Oh. Is is he introduced, like, is he introduced basically in, like, Water 7 or something? Uh, no. He is not introduced until, um, Sabaudi. <laughs> yeah, that's way far ahead of where I am. See, I'm, I'm always stuck with, um... Oh, what was after Alabasta? Shit. Yeah. No, I hear you. I'm always I'm always stuck at that point <laughs> every yeah. time. So I need to fix that problem, but still. Well, I basically watched ahead to film Z. I, I still haven't gotten to sub Odi in the actual anime yet, dubbed. But uh, oh, okay. the character is kind of aloof. <clears throat> and it's interesting to see him now, uh, Bray Hurd, as a... Uh, 
as sort of the more stalwart hero. Gotcha. Interesting, Interesting contrast to what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. All I know I is he was pulling off Final Fantasy moves, and I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome. But say, I'm at least glad someone is familiar with something that Ray Hurd has done, because <laughs> this would have been sad if nobody did. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of moving on, how do we feel about Miss Morgan Barry? I have a love-hate relationship with Morgan. I don't hate her. I mean, that's that's kind of a strong... Let me rephrase that. I have a love-hate relationship with her voice. Okay. When when she voices like a strong, mature adult woman, she can do no wrong. Like like in uh, Riddle Story of New Devil. Agreed, absolutely. Yeah. I need to see the dub, but yes. However, when she voices little boys, she does this really... And this is no fault of Morgan's at all. I don't want to hurt her feelings or anything. But I'm very sound sensitive, um, and certain noises trigger me. When her voice cracks, and she goes, seriously? That, this sort of thing, like she does in Eld Live. Or, or she I does. was about to say, have you been watching Eld Live? I have been watching Eld Live. And, okay, and also that happens as, quite a bit. And also, Johanne, in a lot of ways, does that too. Um, it just it bothers me because it like hurts my ears. And, and I have, like, an almost violent reaction to it. And I don't want to say this to hurt Morgan's feelings. I know I like Morgan Berry a lot as an actress and a singer. Uh, but, you know, when she voices these, like, prepubescent ad- adolescent boys, it, it does get on my nerves. And if she could cut down on the, on the cracking of her voice, that would be my only real criticism about it i know some people really like it i i just personally it really really bothers me when when... i mean that's understandable Mm -hmm. i know me personally in the case of inferior i can't really imagine any other female voice actors kind of going in a similar direction that morgan did like i can't picture it i feel like morgan was a solid choice for inferior in this Mm -hmm. situation um and i think she does rather well then again, I'm not sensitive to sound like you are. Right, <laughs> right. So I don't really have a problem with the voice cracking. Though, to be fair, to be fair, Overlord, it's not as bad of a problem as Eldlife. Eldlife, yeah, because Chuda is... Eldlife is a lot. <laughs> Chuda's a bitch. Chuda is he, a little bitch. He really is, yeah. And, he and is. He's an adorable little bitch. He is, but he's still a bitch. Though, though, Dolu, though. Dolu is best character. Oh, he really is. <laughs> Dolu yeah. is best character. What up, Kristen McGuire? <laughs> Adorable face hugger. Yes. <laughs> uh, Roots, how do you feel about Morgan Berry? Okay, so I kind of went into this into in a little bit of detail in the Token Rombo episode, but I kind of find her little boy voice a bit too feminine. I can see if that. If that makes sense. I can see that, actually. I yeah. can kind of see that, yeah. It's yeah. not as bad here because the character's a little older. Right. And it, it kind of makes sense, her voice coming out of his mouth, but mm. it still just sounds a little a little too far on the feminine side. I like Morgan a lot, but I do think she still has a long way to go um, in doing little boy voices when you compare her to some of the more recent talent like Ryan Reynolds or Terry Doty, or even some of the more um, classic talent like 
say, Mona Marshall or, or Brienne Sadal, um, who can sound... Brienne Sadal, she can sound like a little boy and you would never notice it was even a female. Yeah. I don't um, even know who th- I don't even know who that is. It, Jim Jim Hawking from Outlaw Star. A lot of old school uh, 90s anime. That's right. You haven't watched Outlaw Star. I think you only showed me like one episode. I showed you two that episodes was... actually. And and yeah, you instantly still. went and instantly you said, "Gene, I know she's pretty, but please don't fuck the robot." <laughs> yes, don't fuck the robot. I had dramatical murder flashbacks potentially. But don't then fuck it, the robot dog. But then again, you know, Krillin kind of lucked out. So I mean, <laughs> anyway, who, who am um, I to say? Anyway, moving on. How do we feel about Heather Walker as Hamsky? Heather Walker has reached the point in her life to where she basically voices animals and screaming people. That kind of sums it up. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Now, I think Hamsky sounds adorable, and I do think Heather Walker needs more human roles, but considering that she's basically made her entire career based off of voicing, like, weird stuff, because um, she was Karupo and Poke in uh, Toriko, who's pretty much a Pokemon. He can only say his own name. Um, nice. And in Shangri La, she's she's literally screaming at her at the top of her lungs through the entire show. Um, so yeah, to hear her play this adorable little giant gerbil monster uh, is actually kind of refreshing because she actually gets to say more than just her name, and she doesn't have to scream a bloody murder all the time. So basically, you're happy that she has actual dialogue. For yes, her. yes, <laughs> dialogue yeah, that she has. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I would say definitely Hamsky was adorable. Like, the parts where we were, like, initially introduced to Hamsky, where Hamsky's just this, like, menacing creature hitting in the shadows, like, threatening, threatening Ainz and Nabral. It's like, get out of my forest. And then all of a sudden you see this, this giant fluffy gerbil thing. And then it goes from there. It really works, honestly. I don't hear enough Heather Walker roles, honestly. Um, I think she's in Show Mean Sample, if I remember right. She was. She was the principal in Show yes. Mean Sample. It was one yes. of her so few So she was human actually a human roles. character. Yes. <laughs> she's actually a human person. <laughs> but as Hamsky, I thought it was adorable. And I loved every second of it. You wanted and to give him I a want- big old hug, didn't you? I wanted to give him a hug and just snuggle him forever. <laughs> <laughs> and then ride him to the corner store for milk and cookies. Yes. Because <laughs> Ham- at one point, Hamsky, like, after they um, took care of, like, um, the next two characters we get to talk about, and that whole thing is done, Hamsky has, like, this little bag on his back. He's like... I have to leave. I am ashamed. Please punish me and exile me. And I'm just like, no, man, you're coming with me. He's like, wait. Hamsky is so cute, and I want to snuggle him. And I think Heather Walker, Heather Walker, uh, did a really fantastic job with it. Yeah, this is one of those roles that the script pretty much made the character. Yeah, it did, actually. Because, I mean, like I said before, um, Hamsky's dialogue is based on, like, samurai dialogue. So, that could have been very easy to just glaze over and... 
you know, make it super, super cutesy. But yeah. I'm kind of glad they went the extra mile. Props to the writing team. <laughs> All right. So, by the sounds of it, we love Ray Hurd as Gazoff. We love Heather Walker as Hamsky. Morgan Barry is probably out of the trio here that we we might have some contention with, but only because one person here is very sensitive to sound. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm sorry. Apologies to any Morgan Barry fans out there or Morgan Barry herself. It's not y'all's fault. It's me. But yeah, just try to cut down on the cracking of the voice a little bit. That's all I gotta say. All right. So we ready to move on? Yes. Indeed. Our villains. Two villains. The two <laughs> villains of the two villains of this middle arc that we go through. Uh, we have Khajiit Dale, uh, Bon Badantil. Wow, holy shit, Khajiit, basically. Yeah. Uh, and Khajiit, because uh, he is God. What was he again? He's evil he necromancer. Worked? He evil necromancer. Yes. He did. He work for the slain theocracy. No, Clementine. Clementine actually. Works. I know Clementine does, which Clementine is actually the other character we're going to be talking about. Um, she is. She works for the Slain Theocracy, um, as what was the correct term? Black Scripture. I think it was. I guess. I think. I watched this over the weekend, and now I'm marathoning another show to record in like two days. So don't mind me. Um, but bitch is crazy. First of all, she cray cray. Uh, she's also the one who uh, up and kills our wonderful Swords of Darkness adventurer friends and tortures Nina. So she's fucking nuts. Nucking futs. Yeah, she's nuts. Loves to kill people and then take their little their little tags and put them on her armor as trinkets and treasures. Let me let me put it this way. She's Lad Russo in a tube top and miniskirt. Yeah, basically. Sounds mm -hmm. about right. Yep. So, the two people who voice these characters, Khajiit. We have Mr. Uh, here's a name we've probably never heard before. Uh, Brad Venable. Who? Thank you. I was wondering if that was going to happen. Whom, uh, the only other major role I could really find that he was in was Chaos Dragon. Uh, but he's had a few minor roles, too, uh, in Gangsta and Terran Residence, as examples. And Miss Clementine. Oh, boy. Ooh, Miss Clementine. I actually am very happy about this one. Oh, Michaela Krantz. We get to see her crazy, psycho, murderous voice yet again. Yep. Because um, we've actually heard this voice before. Um, usually when Michaela comes up, every single role is completely different from the one before. Not so with Clementine, because she also used a very similar voice to this in Real Story of Devil when she That's voiced Shinya Banba, a.k.a. Uh, um, who was it? Uh, oh, God, who split was personality. Okay. Split personality girl. Split personality sledgehammer girl. Yeah, Riddle Story was actually one of the roles I picked out as a credit. Um, a couple of the roles you've heard her in, though, would be Snow White with the Red Hair and Ultimate Otaku Teacher. Um, with mm -hmm. Ultimate Otaku Teacher probably being one of the first big roles that she's had. And mm -hmm. for Kyle Phillips, too, so huzzah. Um, so, how do we feel about Brad and Michaela's performances? Brad just didn't make a impression on me. Mainly that's because Khajiit was so much of a cookie-cutter villain 
Mm. He just didn't make an impression on me. And I could take it or leave it, to be perfectly honest. That's not to Brad's fault. But, I mean, Khajiit just isn't very interesting as a villain. Yeah, I mean, he's... He, He's generic old man necromancer. Yeah. Yeah. And he has his crazy moments, but I mean, we've all heard this before. Now. (laughs) Clementine. About to say, it also probably doesn't help that he kind of gets overshadowed a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, maybe just a little. Just just a tiny bit. Michaela, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, my giddy aunt. What happened Oh my god. I'm just like, <laughs> Michaela, if you're listening to this right now, whatever you tapped into in order to achieve this performance, keep into it, but for the love of God, don't make it your life. <laughs> we do Here's not the, do you want... Do you need a hug? Do you need a hug? <laughs> yes. I mean, because this girl crazy. She she cray cray, and she she very cray cray. <laughs> she very very cray cray, and and I think she played it. She this was, this was Michaela Krantz's equivalent to Heath Ledger as the Joker. Mm. If I could say, I would that. say so. Because I would this, probably say that, yeah. Yeah, she's basically Lad Russo in a tube top and mini skirt. She cares for nothing. She has no emotions, no feelings, other than the sheer thrill of slaughter. Here's my thing with crazy, crazy Michaela. I actually, I think I only watched one or two episodes of Riddle Story. I didn't get to hear Michaela as crazy Bonba. This is my first time hearing crazy Michaela, and holy shit... This is probably this is probably one of the standout performances of the dub itself, to be perfectly honest. It's my favorite performance. It really is. I think yeah. this I think this I think Clementine and then I think also Eins, but when we get to him there's a reason for that. Well I mean, yeah. Um, Eins I mean, steals obviously, obviously. He steals the entire goddamn show. But um Clementine, Michaela, oh my god, girl, do you need a hug? <laughs> well, that's an that is a very, very ironic choice of words in this situation, Stephanie. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Let Point me put taken. it to you Point this. Taken. Let me put it to you this way, and I'm going to piss off quite a few of our listeners when I say this. Oh, no. And this is very selfish when I say this. But in Clementine's aesthetic alone, how she's dressed, how she's made up and everything... She kind of looks kind of sort of like Yang from Ruby. And so watching her get squeezed and crushed to death and having every bone in her her body broken was very satisfying to me. (laughs) Let me just say. I haven't even watched Ruby and I probably never will. Come at me, bro. Yeah. Yes. Probably not missing much, right? I am still salty, if you must all ask. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway. Uh, But, yeah, this was a really great performance from Michaela. Like, kudos, A++, double thumbs up. Keep at it, girl. Yeah. Like, everything you guys said, but there was one thing about it that kind of struck me as odd. Okay, what? It was one line... 
in one of the last episodes she appears in, as she mm. and Ainz are starting to fight. Okay. Um, I don't know why it struck me as odd, but it was the, um, oh, why don't you scream? I can't get hard if you don't scream. Well, here's the thing, Roots. I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> Let me get down to human physiology for a moment. The female clitoris gets erect just like the male penis does. Honestly, yes. Yeah. As a female, mm. yes. Yes. And, and, and it's actually longer, if you can believe it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. It, it was and just that, one of those is, things that kind of... That kind of... Well, I mean, also nipples harden as well. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's okay. You know what? Yep, yep. That's that's true. Yeah, it's it's sexual arousal in general. She she gets off on killing people, and it's gross and it's sick. But I mean, that's Clementine in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing. Oh my darling, about this girl. Nope. And Ooh. this has been Sex Ed with Spaceman Hardy. <laughs> but tune in next time when we introduce toys. Oh God. No. And I'm not talking about GI Joes and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Let's say, do we need to go back to Shimonetta on this one? Oh, God. But we're going to Zerk next. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't wait to see how you integrate sex ed with Hardy on that one. Never mind. No. Uh, anyway. No, you don't. <laughs> First of all, you have this little demon fetus baby. God damn it. <laughs> Anyways. Let's please move on. I'm feeling yes. dirty already. <laughs> God. So bottom line, Kaji, rather cookie cutter villain. So Brad didn't exactly get the standout, but you can also argue he probably didn't really get the chance to stand out because Michaela just overtook everything. She <laughs> chewed up every scene she was in. Let's be yeah, honest. She, let's be honest. She chewed up every scene. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal performance. We loved every second of it. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So, the next group of characters. So, from here on out, we're actually going to be talking about members of the Tomb of Nazarene. Uh And the majority of these characters are NPC characters in, from Yggdrasil that were created by not just Momonga, um, <coughs> but all the other guild members from Ein's Ulgon. Um, so, there were, what, 41, 42 members, and they made these different NPCs to help guard the tomb. Mm -hmm. I believe. Wow, um, 41, huh? Yeah, like there was, it was in like the lower 40s or something. Yeah. Uh, the first. It was the 41. First, yeah. The first yeah, thing we're going to be the, talking uh, about. I get the ANN thing up with all the character images, so. Okay. So the first three we're going to be talking about. Um, all three are floor guardians uh, for the tomb. First, we have Demiurge. Uh, who is a demon who guards... I don't remember the specific floors exactly. I want to say he's either the 7th or the 8th floor. 7th. Uh, thank you. Uh, you have Kokaitis, who is this beetle-like thing that's mm -hmm. icy as shit, and I think he guards the 5th floor? Yep. I'm getting it. Cool. And we have Sebus who is, he's essentially this butler personification. He's in, in charge of the Pleiades maids, um, whom one of which we're going to actually be talking about because she plays a rather interesting role. Um, and he's essentially the guardian of the ninth floor? 
Uh, it doesn't actually say. Damn. Okay. I wasn't. Sh I can't remember if he's an actual guardian or not. Um, but he is basically the main person in charge of the Pleiades maids. Uh, so. I just realized something. Yes. Sebus's last name is Tion. Yeah. He is <laughs> yeah. Sebastian. Yep. Yeah, because that's. Um, I think there was actual Victorian. <clears throat> influence in that even pre-black butler yeah so probably. would you make the argument that he is one hell of a butler yes actually yeah. i would <laughs> that would be a fair assessment that'd be a fair assessment um sebus he's he's not human i forget what sebus he's is a dragonoid yes that's what it was mm -hmm. yeah um but the three individuals who voice these characters, uh, for Demiurge, we have Mr. Jeff Johnson. Who? Uh, who? Well, he's voiced quite a few things, most of the minor roles. Gotcha. Uh, the two major ones that I've managed to pick up, though. Initial D, fourth stage, and, more recently, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Ah, uh, is he a nerdy guy? No, he's like the, oh, um, okay. he's like the... He's he's the butler ripoff dragon. No 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 okay. Fafnir no 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 Fafnir, Fafnir, Fafnir. is that's not Fafnir. Garrett Fafnir Storms. is My bad. a human garment. My bad. Yeah. yeah, he is the nerdy guy. I think then. My bad. Okay. I haven't watched. Yes. Oh, okay. I haven't watched yeah, Kobayashi. I... I haven't watched Kobayashi. So, <laughs> excuse me. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. Kokaitis. Kokaitis. Speaking of lad fucking Russo. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Brian Massey is Kokaitis, um, whom you've heard in Bakano, Rideback, and Tokyo ESP. So and who else, who else, before they actually heard them pronounce it here in the dub, who else just said Kokaitis? I didn't even know how to pronounce it. I, didn't I had already known the name because it is, <clears throat> it's one of those, it's used just about everywhere. I, see, I, never, I never heard it, so I just called him Cockatus. Like, you know, I'm enjoying listening nice. to Brian Massey's Cockatus. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Anyway, uh, and as for Sebus, we have Mr. Ed Blaylock, um, who has... Mindfielder! He has roles in Barakamon and One Piece. However, you would most notably know him as Fiora King Bradley from Fullmetal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. All right. How do we feel about these three gentlemen and their performances? Well, Ed Blaylock needs more roles because every time he speaks, I cower and I need to listen to him because he is Minefielder forever and ever, and he's awesome. Um, Cockatus? I'm going to call him Cockatus. You're, you just got to get <laughs> deal with that. That's fine. That's fine. The problem with these characters is we did not get enough of them in the show. And so yeah. it's not really, we really can't make a good judgment of them because they really didn't say much. Um, Kokaitis, honestly, I think was a bit overacted. and But I think that's mainly just Brian Massey's style in general. And when Brian Massey is paired with a good character who overacts, it sounds great. But Kokaitis does so little in the show I don't really think it meshes all that well. Um, Demi Urge, 
kind of sounds understated. And I don't know. I wasn't really sold on it. But Ed Blaylock can read the phone book to me and I will be in awe. And so, yeah, that's that's my opinion. Roots, how do you feel about these three performances? Okay, well, Ed Blaylock <laughs> is the kind of guy who sounds like he would voice your grandfather who'd strangle a guy and then take you out for ice cream. Oh my god! What? That is the most, apt, that's the most apt description I've ever heard, and I applaud oh you. I'm, I'm giving yes. you a, I'm giving you a fist bump so hard through the computer screen right now. Return the fist that's bump. Amazing. That is amazing. Like he would strangle oh, no. a guy in front of you, and then take you out to ice cream like nothing happened. Yes. Oh my god. And then he explained to you, well, sometimes in life, little Jimmy. Jimmy gotta get whacked. <laughs> and when Jim, Jimmy gotta get whacked, he needs to go under the water. I hope you understand, my son. <laughs> yes, Granddad. Are you enjoying your ice cream? Is it good? It's great, Granddad. That's good. I love to see you smile. Now, before oh we go God. home, we need to go and, and pay Barney a little visit. He hasn't paid his rent for this month. <gasps> okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, okay, moving on. Um, Shrine Massey's Kokaitis is just, despite the character design, is the biggest cinnamon roll of the show. He is Honestly, cute. Honestly, he, he is kind adorable. of is. Like, yeah. his talking He's about guarding Einzelgon's heir is one of the highlights of the show. <laughs> I was going to bring that up because Kokaitis has is this, is this whole thing about the warrior and the warrior spirit. And then and then when um and then when fairly, his heirs brought up, early he on, goes into little Demiurge brings up when, <clears throat> he goes into big brother mode. Yeah, when Demiurge brings up wouldn't it be nice though to have like an heir to protect too? And Kokaitis is like that would be amazing. He's like goes off to the side for a minute, like ranting about out of just to no one. It's kind of we're adorable, gonna actually. have a baby brother. <laughs> I that's why I kind of think even though Hardy, you think it was kind of like overacted a little too much. Situations yeah. like that, I think, was perfectly cool, and I liked that. That is a good point. You you do bring a good, up a good point. Oh yeah, that's what I was, was gonna bring up with it. But um, yeah, and um, Co uh, not Kokaitis, Demiurge. How did you feel about Demiurge, Bruce? I got really, really strong old school ADD vibes from Demiurge's English voice actor, really? and that's you not that's not meant as an insult. That is one hundred percent a compliment. You know who else? You mentioned ADV vibes. You know who would have been a great voice for Demi Urge? Hmm. Andy McCavin. Oh, yeah. I, don't I was know thinking who that more is. along the lines of Chris Patton, but yeah. Yeah. Because he I has the Andy McCavin kind of look to his face now that you mention it. But he just has that, that cool, very slight growl in the back of his throat. Like, it, it's just one of the slickest voices of the show. I like it. He's the demon car salesman, basically. 
Yeah. Kind of, yeah. He really is. Yeah. Now, I could put you in this 95 Corolla. But when you look so much better in this 98 Camry. Oh, yeah. Just imagine. Oh, God. The sunroof open. The windows down. The wind breezing through your hair. You're like 30 years old all over again. By the way, (laughs) did I mention this car is possessed? It'll kill people on camera. No. No. Well, great. That's even better. Oh, God damn it. Uh... (laughs) All right. Anyway, um, I just died in your arms tonight. <laughs> Must have been savage. Okay. I'm having um, fun. I'm having fun. This is fun. Uh, let's see. So my thoughts on these three. Um, Kokaida is similar to what we were just saying. Crush's sim- cinnamon roll. I can understand the whole overacting thing because it is Brian Massey, for God's sake. But there are parts of it that do work. The little air thing, that was probably one of my favorite bits. Um, uh, Jeff Johnson is Demiurge? No, this is another one, not what I was expecting. Probably only because this is the was, was one of the first times I really heard Jeff Johnson before. Mm-hmm. So, of course, being introduced to someone you've never heard of before, it's very interesting. Exactly. Um... <laughs> It's kind of funny, because in my head, because I made, I did make some predictions, but really just for the Tomb of Nazarek, I, my initial thought for Demiurge, I defaulted and was going, thinking Tatum. So Mm. having Tatum in my mind originally, and then hearing Jeff Johnson, obviously really big contrast, because the two are completely different, but... It personally took a little bit for me to get into Jeff Johnson's performance, and then I eventually loved it in the end. And, oh, Mindfuhrer, Ed Blaylock, my god. I completely forgot he was King Bradley. Because <laughs> I hadn't seen Full Metal Alchemist in a couple years. But. Be I, honest, I, he could read the phone book to you and you'd be enthralled. Absolutely, I would. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the, he, I would say he's like up there in terms of older voices like uh, Jameson Price. Mm. Like, Jameson Price could read a phone book to me, and I would be enthralled. Yeah, I forgot that he was King Bradley. <laughs> I did. And yeah, you're right, Hardy. I would be enthralled if you read a phone book to me. Uh, I would go just... to sleep and have pleasant dreams. Exactly. Or nightmares, depending on which character you're talking about. <laughs> true, that's very Touché. true. Touché. That is a valid point. No. But Did you like I your would... ice cream cone, little Joey? Was it good? <laughs> we went from cool. Jimmy to Joey. How did that happen? No, little Jimmy went under the sea. You have to remember that. You called the little boy Jimmy, though. Yeah, but he didn't eat his noodles. So you know, when you don't eat your when you don't eat your meat, you can't get any pudding. Huh? Oh my yeah, God. yeah. Anyway, anyway. You I behind was... the bike shed. Stand still, laddie. Uh, damn it. <laughs> nice Pink Floyd reference there. Yes. I would say, as I yawn, I would say Ed Blaylock is another one of my favorite performances for the show. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those where it's like, I need to hear him in more things more often. That would be a very nice thing to happen. 
Uh, so. Moving on. I'll say, do we think we're moving on? Yes. I think we can move on. Fantastic. We're going to move on to... Excuse me. We're going to move on to a set of twins. Twin Dark Elves. Uh, They are also floor guardians of the fourth floor? I don't know. Yeah, yes. Uh, Fourth floor. Oh, no. Sixth floor. I'm sorry. I was not paying attention. Um, They are the guardians of the sixth floor. We have Aurobello Fiora and Mare Bello Fiora. Fiori. Wow. Names. Um, Twin Dark Elves, Aura is a girl who dresses as a boy. Mm-hmm. Mare is a boy who dresses as a girl. <laughs> Mainly because their creator thought it was funny and was a huge troll. Basically. <laughs> yep. Alright, so the two individuals who voice the twins. Uh, for Aura, we have Miss Jill Harris who has voice roles in Orange, Rumble, Keton, and Three Leaves, Three Colors. Also Fuka. Also Fuka, title character. Um, As for Mare, we have Miss Megan Shipman. Megan Shipman, who has been in Psyche K, Pandora and the Crimson Shell, as well as Gary and have more flashbacks, Hardy, Sky Wizard Academy. Oh, boy. So much jam crotch. Also... Speaking of Megan Shipman, yes. she's also the mascot character in Konkole. So she's literally a ship man. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> okay. No, I like it in here. God damn it. Anyway, how do we feel about Jill and Megan's performances as the twin elves? Frankly, you could switch them up and it basically be the same thing. Yeah, um, pretty much. I kind of feel like that was the point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know Mari is a boy, but you really can't tell from Megan's performance. She doesn't play him as a boy at all. And yeah. you could just write it off to be him being a, a young elf. But really, they honestly don't stand out very much. They don't have much dialogue. They're adorable, as all get out, but they really don't stand out as characters on their own. And that's kind of a problem with a lot of characters in the show because so many are given preferential treatment over other characters. Yeah. Which I get the feeling is the the other floor guardians are going to get their own story arcs within the light novels that will hopefully get adapted. Yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I... think that's mainly the fault because it was only one season mm-hmm. we were getting a second season thankfully Thank but we God. didn't have time to to dive into the other characters backstories yeah. and i think and Ara, I'm, I'm sorry i think i think aura and mare kind of fall victim to this as well as well as a lot of the other characters like Hokkaidus or sibis or dibiurge they don't really have a lot of presence in this ep- in this particular series because we focus on other characters and there's only so much we can adapt for time. Yeah. And so, what was kind of cool about Overlord overall is um, it only adapted, I believe, the first novel or two. So sounds it, about right. So it actually got 
quite a bit of time to develop the characters that it developed. Yeah, but it it's just kind of sad because, yeah, basically Kokaida, Sebus, Demiurge, and the twins, essentially, they're the ones who kind of got shafted this season in terms of development. Yeah. That, that's kind of, that's one of the sad things that I came across with the show when I first watched it. Because they are really interesting characters. And the fact, because these are all NPC characters, too, who are very cognizant and have now their own lives and personalities, even though they were originally created and have been programmed to be a certain way. I mean, when we get to Alberto, good lord. Um, <laughs> but I'm interested kind of to see more about the creation of these NPCs and what their personalities incorporate and, ha- and see how they progress going from NPCs to actual tangible beings right who actually have their own lives and personalities i mean we have a couple that we see a bit more from which we'll talk about in a second but the rest of them here who we've covered up to this point i really want to see more out of that and yeah i'm hoping the second season will definitely do that for us but in terms of at least jill harris and megan shipman going to how i feel about it they're both fine i like them they were adorable uh, but yeah, you're also right. You could interchange them as well, and it wouldn't make much difference. Especially for Jill, because she already voiced a little boy character for Rumpelkiton. And I mean, that was jarring as it is, so going from this to like, if she were the one who ended up voicing Mari and not Aura, wouldn't have made much of a difference. It'd be like, oh, okay, it's Kobayashi again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hopefully in later arcs, the two kind of get their own personalities and... Yeah. You know, the, and also, Mari will stand. Mari will stand up for having to dress in girls' clothes all the time, at least. Yeah, Mari's a bit more of like the shy introvert. I can tell. Mm-hmm. And Aura's more unless of like he likes the... it, of course. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But yeah, I would say these two are really good performances. They just don't really stand out, only because the characters haven't really stood out yet. That seems like a fair assessment. True. Which is I... Yeah. True. All right, so we're going to be moving on to our last pair um, of characters before we go individuals. So we have two characters. They each play at least a necessary role um, in parts of the series. So we have Miss Shaltier Bloodfallen. She is the guardian of the first, is it the first, second, and third floor, or just the yep. first two floors? All so three. First, all three. Um, she is a Lolita vampire. Who stuffs her bra. Who stuffs her bra and who is in love with Ainz and is not programmed to be in love with Ainz, which is odd. Um, And I will explain why when we get to another character. Um, Then we also have Narbrol Gemma. Gemma. She is one of the Pleiades maids um, under Sebus. But the reason why we're really talking about her, though, is she is also... The companion, uh, she's the companion Nabe for a Momon when he goes in and does all this adventuring stuff to gain information. Um, the reason for that basically is because, she, from what I read online, she is the most human out of them. Ironically I mean, so, because she absolutely despises humans. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. At least she's not a slime creature, dear sweet Jesus. 
Oh, yeah. Not to so, throw shade on poor little Sue from Monster Musume, because she's a precious little cinnamon bun. But. Cleavage Sup? hungry. Sup, Mallory. Sup, Mallory Rodak, because that's Mallory Rodak, by the way. Um, but, yeah, basically, Nobril is... Finds his companion um, when he's Momon and he's out doing this adventuring kind of stuff. Um, Excuse me. The two individuals, the two lovely ladies voicing these characters. Uh, Nabral Gama is actually voiced by Miss Anastasia Munoz. Whom Munoz. You've heard in, yes. Whom you've heard in Gar the Animation, Jormungand, and Selector Infected Wixis. We cross. Saying, I will keep saying Wixis. Shut up. You will say it wrong then. Wixis. You will forever be wrong. We, at least I'm not saying weak sus like Roots just did. Um, and as for Miss Shaltier Bloodfallen, which I just realized, because again, I made predictions a while ago for this. I know we're not really talking about them. I got it right. Because <laughs> <laughs> her hair was pink, this. wasn't it? No, honestly, oh. it wasn't. I can't remember why I picked it, but I it doesn't matter. Felicia Angel is Shaltier Bloodfallen, um, whom you have heard in Defrag, My Hero Academia, as well as a non-vampire role, Seraph of the End. Mm -hmm. uh, so, how do we feel about these two performances from Felicia and Anastasia? Well, you're going to hate me for this. Uh-oh. But this is no part, this is no fault of Anastasia. But I think Nabe just got too much of a role. I think she got too much screen time for her character. Um, and honestly, I really don't like her as a character. As Anastasia played her, I think she did fine. Um, but I just, I don't really care for Nabe as, as a character because she's kind of a dick. And she gets too much screen time as in comparison to the other more interesting characters. Like, I would have loved to see more of Kokaitis or Sebus or Urge or the twins. But, unfortunately, Nabe gets all the screen time. Because she's the most human and she hangs out with Momon. I think, given the circumstance and the context of what's going on in the situation, mm -hmm. having Nabral as Momon's companion... It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense, but, but I, I do agree. I yeah. do agree with you that she has a lot of screen time when she probably really shouldn't. But I kind of leave that up to maybe the original source material. Because you know how Madhouse likes faithfully at adapting things, right? True. Very true. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that's something on the production side where they wanted to develop, like, the actual story from the original material. Mm -hmm. So that might have caused Nabe to get more screen time. And I mean, again, thankfully we're getting a season two. So again, we're hoping to have more screen time from others. Gotcha. But now, the, the, this does harken back to a previous character because this may be the old softy in me. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of hoping that she would eventually warm up to Lucroot and his advances so that maybe she could see that, hey, humans aren't so bad and sort of, you know, fall for him. But then Lucroot had to go and get his head cut off. Yeah, so, so we well, didn't get then he got dead. Yeah, he got dead twice. 
So. Yeah, so we didn't really get that opportunity, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, that's my opinion of Nabarol. Shaltier. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I sense words. I sense words. These words are coming, yes. I will say this. Um, back when I first watched Devil is a Part-Timer, I was not a fan of Felicia Angel because I did not think Emmy was that great of a performance. I know she's she follows me and she listens to this. Hear me out. Things are going to be good. Please. Um, this season alone, having watched Overlord and Chaos Child back to back, I think she has made more progress as an actress than ever before. Because Shaltier is absolutely insane in vocal range. Oh, yeah, yes. I can agree with that. And having watched the finale to Chaos Child, she goes full Elizabeth Maxwell ugly cry. Ooh. And it is glorious. So I have nothing but respect to say for Felicia as Shaltier because... This was absolutely, inc- and when her mouth goes full circular and giant teeth come out and the like three foot tongue sort of comes out and stuff. Dude, that's menacing as hell. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really impressive. And I can say nothing but good things about Felicia Angela's Shaltier blood, blood fallen. So, yeah. Roots, how do you feel about the performances? I do have to agree with uh, Hardy on uh, on Nabe. Because, <clears throat> I mean, if they develop the, the other Pilates knights... Pilates? <laughs> Pleiades. They're in, they're in shape, Pleiades. that's for sure. Pleiades. 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 They're in shape, at least. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. Yeah, if the rest of them were developed as well, and they kind of got their own little side story shorts that I think were included with the Blu-ray? I want to say they uh, were. I didn't see the, um, you mean that little short series that they did, Yeah, right? yeah. I didn't see that as an extra, actually. Check that. Huh. Check it as soon as you get done with here, and let us know. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at it. <laughs> Like, they, they do kind of get a little bit of comedic development from that, from what I recall. But, um, yeah, I think she was just a little overdeveloped as a character. And, I mean, Anastasia does a really good job with her. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that the character itself got more screen time than she deserved. Yeah, I can, I can see that entirely. And how do you feel about um, Felicia for Shaltier? Oh, she's great. Um, Like Hardy said, her vocal range just in this show alone is insane. Mm. Because she goes from... Vampire Lolita. Queen bitch mode, trying to assert other queen bitch. (laughs) Which might I add, can I interject something? The faces between Albedo and Shaltier... They're phenomenal. They are amazing. They're phenomenal. I haven't seen stuff like that since Apocalypse Zero. Oh my god! <laughs> but she goes from <clears throat> she goes from Queen Bitch to the Incredible Miss Limpet. <laughs> god damn it! In, in vampire mode. 
Like, I, I gotta say there were vocal filters involved with that one. Uh, yeah, obviously there was. Oh, there must have been. <laughs> and then from that to, you know, um, how do I put it? Um, like, the Valkyrie kind of form she takes Ooh, yeah. in the last episode or two. Yep. Where she's just taunting Ainz at every turn. That was an insane amount of range. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of respect for Felicia for being able to display that level of range. In other words, Mom Chan done good. Mom Chan done very good. Hey, nice. wait a minute. Uh -oh. She's mom. You're mom. <laughs> oh no. Oh my god, Dub Talk has two mommies. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Well, you you do realize I'm the dad, so what does that have to say? Um. Shut up! I'm trying to make a joke here. <laughs> so am I, Roots. So am I. This is gonna get awkward we are real at a fast. Stalemate. <laughs> that's that's dub talk in a gender. That's dub talk in a uh, nutshell. Nutshell, yes. Real awkward, real fast. Yep. Dub talk. Yay! You started listening at three in the morning. Oh lord. Anyway, before it gets even more awkward, how I feel about these two performances, um, Nave, I can agree. She had unnecessary screen time, like too much screen time. That's that's. I'm gonna put that more on the fault of the production of the show itself, though. Right, right. Um, but Anastasia as Nave. I enjoyed it. I mean, I really like Anastasia. You don't really hear her too often in sizable roles like this. So I enjoyed her as like the, the kind of stoic character who doesn't really take shit <laughs> from, from these advances from this ranger dude. Um, so I can appreciate and I can enjoy it very well. And yeah, same thoughts on Felicia. Crazy, crazy range in this ser this one show alone. And I think her performance was also directed rather well and can showcase that very, very easily in that dynamic personality, I guess you could say, that Sheltier has. Um, but yeah, I would say at least on the performance front, both are solid. Um, but for the sake of story-wise... Navi needs to go to the background for a while. <laughs> unless but. the other, you know, unless the, the other maids are with her. Yeah. But, yeah, I still think Anastasia did rather well. Um, so, we're down to two. Two characters. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about... Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Um, let's talk about the other so-called queen bitch. Of the Tomb of Nazarek. Uh, her name is Albedo. And she's essentially this... And she's an NPC that was created. Uh, she's... I think she's supposed to be like this fallen angel of some kind. And, um... She, probably the biggest quirk about her... Because she is the leader of the Floor Guardians, first of all. But the biggest quirk about her... She is 
head over heels, madly in love with Ainz. Because, because Momonga messed with her programming before Idris still shut down. Before he realized what he was doing, to be mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. To be fair, yes. Yeah. And before he realized, oh, hey, I am still here. Why did it not shut down? Why am I now a giant skeleton monster? Why am I touching her boobs? Why does my dick not work? <laughs> what? Ah, uh, crap. God. Now I got a monster harem. Oh, God damn it. Um, this always but, happens! But yeah, Albedo is the leader of the Floor Gardens, madly in love with Ainz, um, to the point of obsession at times. I she fine, she's... too. Ain't gonna lie. That's a good-looking woman. I mean, sure. Um... It, Roots I mean, back me up on this. I mean, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I. But what I'm trying to get at is she's obsessed with Eins to the point where, oh God, that one scene when Demiurge finds her in his bedchamber with a goddamn body pillow. <laughs> How did she, she get that? She said she made it herself. But but they don't have modern printing processes. Like I literally, how did it. she make that? I have no idea. And she, she also, drew it herself. I wouldn't she, put it past her, to be honest. And she also made clothes for their firstborn child, both girl and boy clothes, in case they, they don't up know to what a certain age. Up to a certain age. I think she said, what, the first five years or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah but they don't even line. know what, what's gonna happen, you know? What, what this kid's even gonna look like. She's planning ahead. Again, obsessed. Anyway. She's uh, Sundari. She's no, Sundari. Yandere. Yeah, oh, there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, you say Yandere. Yeah, that makes much more sense. Yeah. Shaltier, I might be able to see a bit more as the Sundari character type. She was supposed um, to be the Sundari until, you know, Ainz messed with her programming. Or Momonga, I'm sorry. He wasn't Ainz yet. Momonga. He wasn't Ainz yet. Um, But anyway, the wonderful, wonderful actress who is voicing Albedo. Oh, God. Um, speaking of Bishamon Ugly Cries, <laughs> it's Elizabeth Maxwell, who voices <laughs> Albedo, um, whom you've heard in series like Noragami, uh, Attack on Titan, as well as, for something at least more, more recent, uh, Fuka. And, oh. I should add, she's also in the best-selling Nintendo game of all time, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Isn't she like multiple people in the game? Well, the main character she plays is Urbosa, one of the four champions of legend. Hmm. She's the Gerudo. She's the giant, uh, sexy Amazon with a big nose. Oh, so Death by Susu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're back to that again. And this anyway. would be Snusu <laughs> you'd like. <laughs> Anyway, how do we feel about Elizabeth Maxwell's performance of Albedo? I was rolling on the floor laughing because yep. it was so great. This yep. is Albedo Albedo's relationship is by no means healthy. She is sick in the head. And it's mainly because of Ein's doing, but because of Ein's didn't know what he was doing at the time. 
it still doesn't make up for it, but it is funny in retrospect. Yeah. But she just has so much fun with it. <laughs> what, whether it's fawning over Momonga or bickering with the other girls over his affections. It's just so entertaining to watch, and I guarantee she has the best facial expressions in the entire show. I, th- oh, I yeah. think, I, I, yeah. I was, yeah. I was rolling on the floor in tears. I had to pause it at some points just to just look at her face and just laugh <laughs> because it was so amazing. And, and yeah, I think it just, it was fantastic. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> I think Alberto is one of those rare comedic performances that you see from Elizabeth Maxwell because mm-hmm. she plays a lot of really serious dramatic characters not saying Alberto doesn't have those moments but for God's sake she's a much more menacing and rather comedic character you than compared to some of the other roles that Elizabeth Maxwell has played before and I did not think that was Elizabeth Maxwell at first. <laughs> Honestly, I did not know. Because here's, here's a weird story. And this was corrected later. The original press release, when I first saw it, didn't have Albedo listed. <laughs> ah. Oh, jeez. Uh, so I was like, who is Albedo? I mean, eventually, it eventually got corrected, but I didn't get to see it for a long time. So eventually, when I when I heard the trailer, I'm like, "Who is this person?" So I went back to the press release. It was corrected at that point. It was either the press release or I went on to um, ANM, and I saw it was Elizabeth Maxwell. I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! Show you lying to me! You lying to me!" <laughs> and then, like, finally getting to go into the show, and then hearing her go for at least like half an hour that first episode. Yeah, that was her. <laughs> and I was just floored, like jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Holy crap. Bless her heart. <laughs> my God, did she act the shit out of this. Oh my and, God. And um, something I actually wanted to bring up with um, Sheltier that's kind of relevant here. Um, there was a line that she says in one of the last episodes before she's, you know, turned evil and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the carriage, and they were talking about one—they uh, were talking about their creators and mm. how, um, I think it was Shaltiers who was actually a voice actress. And they're just like, yeah. oh, hey, what's voice acting? And Shaltier explains, oh, it... It sounds like it's something like putting putting a soul into something that doesn't have a soul. That is Elizabeth Maxwell's Albedo to AT. Basically, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. No dis- it wasn't. No disrespect to Yumi Hara, who plays her in the Japanese version. But oh my god! Just like. Done. I'm out. I quit. <laughs> yeah, drop the mic. There we go. And we're not even at the big mic drop moment. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But holy crap. I think, in general, Elizabeth, as a whole, has proven herself to be one of the favorite amongst the dub talk crew, in general. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, whenever she's brought up in a dub, we generally have nothing but good things to say about her. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is one of the standout performances of the show. I do wish Albedo could have done more, given the grand story. But hopefully we'll see her be more involved in season two. I'll say, again, that's probably more on par with the production of the show rather than Maxwell in general, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yeah. It's it's like holy crap! Like the the a good amount of the show is like very solid and standout performances and really really different ones. Mm. And we haven't gotten to the uh, big tuna himself, actually. Oh yes, the Overlord in question. Oh God. Um. So, we're going to now talk about our final character. And if you uh, heard our disclaimer before the ooh, beginning of this episode, ooh. you already know who ooh. it is. Um, we'll get to that in like a second. But because people may not know. So, we're going to be talking about Momonga, um, also known as Ains Ogon. Also known as Momon the Momon Adventurer. Adventurer. Uh, has a few different aliases, uh, but initially his name is Momonga. Uh, he is the skeletal undead player character uh, from Yggdrasil. Uh, gets essentially trapped in this virtual world after the game shuts down. Um, and he decides, you know what, it's gonna, don't be fun. Learning about this new world and maybe trying to take it over, you know? <laughs> He's Skeletor as a good guy. Kind of, yeah. Ish. Good ish. 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 Yeah. Um, He takes on the name Ainz Olgon, which is the name of the guild that he's the guild master for. um, Because he wants to spread that name in the hopes that somebody from Adrasil may also be trapped there with him. And to try and see if they can get him to say hello and be like, hey, do you know anything about what's going on? Um, which kind of in turn leads into his other, his other identity, Momon the Adventurer, because he's going out trying to get this information, um, to learn more about this world. Um, so, (laughs) I have a funny story to tell before we actually talk about who voices this character. Oh, do tell. So, this character has two different voices, putting it out there. There is the actual in-game character. Holy crap, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry, sorry. No, the in-game character. Holy crap, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. Thank you. The in-game character of Momonga. Uh, And then we also have the actual real-life person who's playing this character. Jeez, I wonder if my Hot Pockets are done in the microwave yet. Thank you. So... Which I'll never be able to eat now. Damn. Oh, man. So, I paid five bucks for those. <laughs> so when I was they first watching... They were Philly steak. Philly, Philly steak! steak. <laughs> Damn it. So when I was first watching the show as the simulcast while it was airing... Excuse me. And um, I was initially listening to Momonga in the show. And it was not even, like, two minutes into the show. And, of course, I'm hearing the in-game voice. I'm, like, right off the bat in my head. This is going to be Kent Williams when the dub happens. I can just feel it. 
And then I hear the real life person, and it sounds much younger and like more more tenor compared to the bass baritone we get from the in-game character. And I'm like, shit, that's not Kent Williams to a T. So <laughs> my predictions got weird. I ended up taking two voice actors for this one character for one for each voice. <laughs> So what I did, I had Ken Williams for the in-game character, and I was like, okay, who could play the real-life person? And then I was like, who could be nerdy enough to do this? Clifford Chapin, let's go! <laughs> so that was, that's how that happened. That was very similar to how I predicted him. Because yeah. I, um, I initially had Tatum as, you know, Einzel Gone, and Greg Ayers as Momonga. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is actually kind of funny, considering. Yeah, but, um... Well, here's the thing. You know, when I first watched the show, mm-hmm. I really didn't make predictions, but then I thought about it afterwards. Like, you know who could potentially do both voices? What? And who? Stephanie's gonna slap the shit out of me for saying this. Oh boy. Is Vic Mignogna. I'm not gonna slap you, because I can actually believe that. Because... I'm Vic Mignogna. I could do the real world voice. And then he does Bui. I'm Vic Mignogna. I can do the Bui voice as well. That or the Beelzebub voice. Yeah. The oh Beelzebub. God, Beelzebub. Yeah. How that's does why, he... That's he has why to I would do not that. <laughs> he has to do that behind a lot of filters. But thankfully... Thankfully... We, we ended up getting the best of both worlds in a single person. And who is this person, Stephanie, huh. ask? Oh, my God. The gentleman who is voicing Mr. Eins Olgone. May I just say... Momonga. Voicing Momon the Adventurer. What may, were you going to say, Hardy? I certainly hope someone picks up that phone. <laughs> because I fucking called it! God damn it. <laughs> fucking hell. voice, too. Oh, God. So, if you don't know that joke, we're referring to Mr. Chris Guerrero, <laughs> who is voicing Ein's old gone. Um, if you have not heard of this person before, at this point, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yes, parfum. Fairy tale, yes. Um, a few other roles. He's also been Man. in his distraught. <laughs> He's also been in Princess Stride Alternative, uh, Seraph of the End. And because Hardy, Hardy has to do this. He is mm. the narrator for Toriko. Oh, yes. In a world of culinary delights. We are living in the gourmet age. The gourmet age. The gourmet oh, age. Jesus. <laughs> With the hamburger barquette flowers. I'm going to stop you right there because I sense you'll go on for like another 20 minutes. (laughs) I will do it and you will enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, No one can stop me. They can only hope to contain me. God damn it. Um, And as Hardy kind of pointed out, um, we we, kind of uh, asked Chris if he could help us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> if you couldn't tell by the disclaimer, um, he actually was really nice enough to do the disclaimer for us uh, for yeah. this episode, um, which 
good sir, because I believe you were taking commissions to get your hands on a Nintendo Switch. I hope you got that Nintendo Switch, sir. Yes. <laughs> totally worth it. Thank you. You are. I hope a, you're exploring you are... Hyrule with the best of them. Yes. yes. You are a gentleman and a scholar. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, sir. May you never um, find rocks in your sandals. <laughs> okay. So, now that we got the long-winded introduction out of the way. He's how, perfect. I was about to say, how do we feel about this performance? He's oh perfect. My oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, here, I do want to go off on a tangent, though. Okay. I'll let you go off on a tangent. Just don't go too far off on it. I want to hear Chris in more roles than just the Liam Neeson voice. I mm. want to hear Chris expand his range. I want to him actually get cast as the hero in a harem anime using his normal voice. I don't want him to get stereotyped into this position where he only is in anime because of this one voice that he's able to create. No, I want him to... I want him to have a legitimately expansive career and go off from this. Like, because I want, I'm sorry. I want to say that um, Token Rambu uses his um, uses his more low-key Momonga voice. Well, I mean, even Nanbaka. Nanbaka was a different from the norm because he still uses that voice. However, he puts a different spin on it. He's the pig guy. And mm. it's sort of like this gangster voice. Right, yes. Yeah, Ooh. and it's okay. legitimately... keep watching Nambaka then. It's yes, legitimately terrifying because he is, like, scary. It's still the same voice, but he puts a different spin on it, and it's welcome. I want to see what more Chris can do because he has this one voice... And Funimation keeps using him for it. And it's a great voice, and it sounds awesome. But I don't want him to be known for just that one voice. I want and him... And of course, he's the, uh, the, the giant kobold in um, Grimgar. That I did not know. Um, but, I mean, thankfully, he's been getting those opportunities to at least step out of the Liam Meeson voice. Like, more recently, we have Akiba Strip. Mm -hmm. He's one of the vigilante groups um, under Alice and Victorin. Um, and Hardy, I know you'll remember this. He was in Sky Wizard, remember? That's true. And I do appreciate that because he started out using his normal voice. And as he devolved into this beetle monster, he started morphing into more of the Liam Neeson voice. Mm -hmm. And, and that was a gradual change, and I really appreciate that. No, I really like Chris. I like his voice acting. I want to see him expand his range because the Liam Neeson voice is awesome, but I don't want him to be only known for that. I, I, can, I, I can fully agree with that because cause here with Momonga and Ainz here, again, we're getting the best of both worlds with both of these sides of characters, and they are differentiated rather well. That you very well, actually. Very, yeah. very well. So you can tell which one is the actual in-game character and which one is the person playing that character. Frankly, listening to his normal voice, I don't even know how he does it. It's like a Damon yeah. Mills situation. Yeah, so, it's a Damon Mills fact, situation all over again. Damon Mills could probably be a good Momonga. 
you know. If, yeah, if he was around at that time, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think he was really there. He, I don't think he was at Funimation quite around the time when they were recording Overlord, if I had to guess. Exactly. Um, but if I recall correctly, this is Chris's first actual leading role, too. It is. It really is. Yeah. He so, has not had a leading role since then. And this is why I gave him... Um, he was one of the four Chris's when I did the W Awards for last year. Right, yeah. So. So, I know for me, this is a really good, really solid lead role for him. But I'm also like you, I love to see like that range extended a bit more. I also want to see him start getting more lead roles, because... I mean, we've heard Chris Guerrero in Small Things and sometimes using that same voice. This is just... I was just blown away by his performance here that I'm like, I need more stuff now. <laughs> I'm just like, mind blown. And yeah, and, and Nanbaka... Nanbaka, holy shit! <laughs> dude, oink, dude. Oink, motherfucker. Do you need a hug? Do you need a I hug? wouldn't want a hug from that guy. He's a big stinky pig. I'd smell like bacon and pork sausage afterwards. <laughs> oh my god, Roots. He probably killed me. Chris, uh, Roots, how do you feel about Chris Guerrero? Oh my god, where do I begin? Um, I know, right? <laughs> I was already moderately impressed with his range given um, Gecko Moria in One Piece. Because mm -hmm. he. If I recall correctly, he kind of did like a, he kind of gave it like a penguin spin. Oh, okay. And it, it was really nice, really refreshing. And then I didn't really hear much about him until he was announced as like the voice of the the big kobold who who killed Jade Saxon's original party in Grimgar, and that was just like bestial snarls and barking and that kind of stuff. And now, you know, Momonga. Just, like, the the deep Liam Neeson voice and then just this nebbish little... I'm, I, I refrain from calling him a little shit, but, you know... Because <laughs> he, he actually seems like an alright character as, you know, Momonga. But it, it was just this nebbish little character... And then all of a sudden, he's got this big, booming voice as Ainz. Yeah. It's amazing. Funimation, I know you're listening to this. Give him more shit. <laughs> give him more shit to do. Oh my god. Please like, give him more shit. Give him challenging do. shit. Mm. I, like I said, I want to hear him do a harem protagonist. One of the nervous type. The one who doesn't actually want all the titties in his face. Because I want to see how he reacts. That'd be that'd be kind of, that'd be like. Uh, Give him the Dallas Reed so type weird. of role. Oh God. The Neto Gay, the Neto Gay showman sample type of role. Oh, see how he turns out. Yeah. And then in, no, here's the thing. Here's you're giving, the thing. You're giving Roots flashbacks. Stop it. Here's the thing. No, have him use his normal voice as the main character, but then when he goes into his perverted dreams and flashbacks, have him use the Liam Neeson voice. Oh yeah, baby, that's <laughs> what you want, isn't it? No. I know exactly what you're after. Those are unhealthy relationship goals, Akko. Don't do it. 
<laughs> oh yes, Akko. I can handle you like the I can handle the brick like you like a masonry. Oh god. Damn it, <laughs> I'm going to slather you in cement and stack you up nice and, and good. I'm going to take my headphones off for a second. La di da di da. I don't need to hear this shit. The good thing about having a cold is that I'm able to do this really deep voice. And Am I have, safe? And the ladies love it. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah, I would say this is easily one of the best performances from the dub. Easily. Oh my god. Again, best of both worlds. So you get, so you do get to see him play with his range quite a bit. But now let's give him more fun and challenging stuff to do. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the next thing to do. I can, I, right. I can agree with that. You know. Um, yeah, I can sense since we absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dub in general could use some work. Not really. It's the actor's fault, but it's mainly. The writing's fault, and because so many of the characters are just generally underused. But the yeah. ones that take the main priority, the main focus of the show, are really good standout performances. Chris Guerrero, Elizabeth Maxwell, uh, Michaela Krantz, uh, Felicia Angel, all do stand-up performances that they're dubby worth. And I know this is... It's not even... 2017 dubby related it's not even worthy but i mean they're all excellent excellent performances from I mean, all the, yeah i mean you gave guerrero an award i did last year mm -hmm. i think i gave guerrero and michaela awards last year too right if i recall correctly that was from one episode just saying yeah, i know right and i want to say i gave uh chris guerrero something you probably In did. my I nominations, remember. I can't remember. Yeah. Yes, I think I did. But yeah. Uh this this dub in general, since at this point, Hardy has basically shifted us to final thoughts. It's again, going back to Kyle Phillips as a director, this is one of the stronger and better doves I've seen him direct yet. It has a lot of surprising casting choices. That work really, really well. Mm -hmm. And the writing is really... The real writing is really good, too. It has these subtle in-game references that you can understand, even if you aren't into world MMORPGs and stuff like that. But, like, like Hardy said, on, and this is more on the fault of the show production itself, some characters got more screen time than they should have compared to some of the other cast. But that's... Obviously, that's not a fault of the dub itself. That's that's on Japan's side at that point. Right. But my I would, God, I would give this dub a solid B plus A minus, a solid A ser uh, purely on Guerrero's performance as the main character. I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Roots, how do you feel about the show, the dub as a whole? Yeah, it's a bunch of strong performances. Unfortunately. Several of the stronger performances don't get to do a lot because, you know, production production stuff. Um, well, source for material. One, for yeah. one thing, Clementine gets killed, so. Yeah. She well, gets she, hugged she kinda to death. Des she kind of deserved it. <laughs> kind of is not even the word. She full-heartedly <laughs> deserved it. 
But yeah. truth be told, a character like Clementine doesn't particularly need development. Yeah. She's more of a force of nature. She got every bone in her body broken, just like Yang should have gotten in the Yang versus Tifa death battle. And here we go again. I am still salty. Stop being salty right now. I will never stop. Now's not the time. Roots! But um, characters like Ocutus, um, Demiurge, Sebas could have probably shined a little more had they been given a little more screen time. Mm-hmm. But the the players who do play a major role in this particular arc, Ainz, Albedo, um, Sheltier, they really, really impress me. They really knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, totally, it's great. Oh, can I just say, because I wrote this down, there was a fun line that um, G- Chris Guerrero had in the show, and this is when he meets Hamsky. King of the forest, my bony ass. <laughs> I'm like, bravo. Oh. Bravo, Josh, for writing that, and bravo, Chris, for saying it. <laughs> I gotta give props to one particular actor who only got, like, one scene in one episode. Eric Vale as Pandora's actor. (laughs) We didn't get to talk about Pandora's actor, but yes. Oh my god. I was just waiting for him to start quoting (laughs) Peter Sellers and Dr. Strangelove. Oh my god. That would have been perfect. Uh, Just watching Ein break, that was perfect. My daughter, I could walk! I had to pause when Eric Vale just went straight German accent. I was like, oh my god. Had I gotten to episode 10, I, I oh probably would have given Eric Vale the Golden Ham nomination. Oh, true. Damn. Just for that one episode. But I digress. Overlord is... It's a, a good dub. kind of messy show that got a very, very good dub. Yeah. Yep. No, the dub, the show is not without its faults, and the dub is not without its faults either. But, um, yeah, it, it, I'm glad that it got a second season because I would have kind of been upset with it ending as it did. Um, and so I'm looking very forward to the next season. Um, same, same here, because Matt, you don't often see Madhouse doing sequels to things. They uh, Until recently, they have never done it. But because yeah. shows like One Punch Man were such huge hits, yep, they started well, hey, doing it. Now, my man Kaiji. Kaiji. That's a that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Which yeah. I hope we get to talk about here. Yeah, there's something about Kaiji, but I just can't put three fingers on it now, oh can my God. I? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I, I, I really hope the second season will help solve some of the story issues we have with the show. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, really, Maybe really solid take dub. some chances and adapt a little more of the source material than season one did. Make it more than one core. Then we can go from there. <laughs> and give us more Albedo in action to see oh what God. she can really do. Oh, and yeah. more Sebus as well, because he's awesome. Yeah. More of all of them. And Cocaitis. I, 
I just want my cinnamon roll cocutus. Yeah, I want my big blue. I want my big blue cockatus. Oh god damn it! Anyway, oh, with that note, it's time to finish this up. If you are interested in catching the English dub for Overlord, there are a few methods in which you can do so. Um, the mm -hmm. obvious one is, of course, supporting the physical release because it did come out on Blu-ray and DVD last November, so that is available uh, from your fine retailers. And the other method, as of right now, uh, that you can catch the dub for Overlord is with Funimation and the Funimation Now subscription service. Um, the I would, if I had to guess, like they normally do, the first two episodes are free for subscriber uh, for free for users. Uh, however, the remainder of the show is under the subscriber paywall. Uh, if you are interested, of course, as we do free plugs all the time here, yes. um, you can do a free 14-day free trial of the Funimation Now streaming service. Um, if you do not wish to keep that service at the end of the 14 days, again, your regular reminder here, Dub Talk, cancel it. Because uh, when you sign up, it does ask for credit card information. So if you don't cancel, it'll start pulling money from your account. Uh, but, I mean, we, 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 we all love the service. So I, I will... I do want to say one thing about the service, and I it's not. God, a, I, I, it, I swear to God, it's not talking about the Roku app. I'm gonna kill you. It's not entirely negative. I want to be perfectly frank with everyone here. Oh my God! All right. I know a lot of people have been having trouble with Funimation's new app, both on the Roku, the various apps, the website itself. They are working on it. I know firsthand that they are having trouble with it. All I can say to you is if you are having trouble with it, please, by all means, send in a ticket to www.funimation.com backslash contact hyphen us and send them a ticket. This does more than you think it will. And I know some people have sent in Mount multiple tickets claiming that oh Funimation never gets back to us it helps trust me it helps they're doing everything they can they are currently understaffed right now they are currently overwhelmed right now they're trying their best to get everything back in working order so if you are having an issue by all means please send in a ticket and even so I am willing if you want to contact me directly or post on our forums I'm willing to contact Funimation directly in order to help you out because I've been having problems. I know a lot of people have been having them. Um, we are doing our best. And so please be patient. Please be understanding. We will help you out as soon as we are possible. Thank you. And thank you for understanding. Yes, patience is the key here. Because I swear to God, Hardy, if I hear more complaints about the Roku app, I might I'm have not, to kill you. I don't even use the Roku app anymore. I use the PS4 app, and it has a, it has its own set of problems, but it's more manageable, at least. So I, can at least I can at least pause and cancel out episodes now. So. Uh, no, I, I'm just saying, because, oh my God, I almost had to punch you a few times with your tirades. I know that, and but but I mean, yeah, I I wanted to punch myself and I wanted to punch other people because of my tirades. But that, yeah. that's that's why I say, not just not just to you obviously, but to everyone else, please be patient. 
they are working the best that they can with what they have. Just, just please be patient. Don't be really testy, okay? Because yeah. having but having worked having worked in customer service, if you are very very testy and you are causing so many problems on a constant basis, it's not going to get you anywhere. But here's the thing: if you are having constant different problems, it's okay to let them know about every single problem that you're having. That's it's okay what I, to let them know. It's basically the approach that I'm concerned with. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just let them know, hey, you know what? Episode blah, blah, blah of this show doesn't have working subtitles or it doesn't have or it's constantly freezing. That's okay. Let them know. Yeah, they rather thank, than, they rather thank than you for the, that. Yeah, rather than going the route of this fucking piece of shit doesn't work, da, 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 going rather than that route because that's not going to get you anywhere. I hate mm-hmm. to tell you that it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. So believe- please be nice about it. Mm-hmm. Be patient about it. They're doing the best they can. Okay. Because we know God's will and Tom and all the other guys working for Funimation on their social media accounts and for their support accounts. They are working hard. It's not fruitless. Please keep submitting those tickets. Please mm-hmm. keep letting them know about all your various issues. Be polite. You can be yes. stern, but let them know as many details as possible. You have to realize Funimation is not as big as Netflix. They're not as big as Hulu. They're not as big as all these other major streaming companies. They only have a employee basis of like 200 people, and only a few of those are actually working on the technical support issues of the site. So, patience is a virtue. Um... Yeah, and I do understand it's extremely nerve-wracking when the service doesn't work. But just let them know the issues. Remember that everyone's human. And um, just... Just be patient. Be patient and be patient. Ha- They're working treat yourself it. to a nice cup of cappuccino. And, you know, if... Or maybe this- take little Johnny out for an ice cream. <laughs> take little Johnny out for ice cream. And explain to him what what happened to Uncle Joey and why he had to go swimming for a few, for all eternity. Oh, and there is our public service announcement for the day. (laughs) I'm Spaceman Hardy. Good night and good luck. Okay, one thing I kind of wanted to bring up while we're doing the streaming plugs. um, Yes. I will be going into a little more detail about this in the episode I host, which we'll hopefully be recording next week. Yes. But I did kind of want to bring up Verve a little bit. Oh, that's right. Okay. I haven't tried Verve yet, so... Like I said, I'll be going into a little more detail about this in a later episode, but... um, it is basically 10 bucks a month. You can get access to Funimation and Crunchyroll together. But you also get access to things like Channel Frederator and Mondo and oh what else was there? Um Isn't I, isn't isn't Geek and Sundry one too? Geek and Sundry and I believe Nerdus is part of the basic combo pack as well. You can also get access to Rooster Teeth if you hate yourself. Oh my god. But I think you... No, I think Rooster Teeth is part of the basic combo pack. Um, 
And then there were some other channels you can pay additional for. I know you can get Rift Tracks for like five bucks. Shudder. And there's Shudder as well, which is a really good service. I haven't tried it yet, but I've seen the things available on it, and it is great. If you're if you're really into horror. Right. Yeah. You're speaking my language now. <laughs> I, re- but, I um, seem to remember we, we showed you Evil Dead, and you got sicked out by it. No, I didn't get sicked out by Evil Dead. Yeah, you did. Like, you were like, this is gross. Why would you recommend this for me? I was like, bitch, I was drunk. I don't remember that. Yeah. No, you showed... I I think it was... It was Evil Dead. It's the first one. I streamed it, yes. Like, I did a live stream for it, yes. But I wasn't paying attention to half of it. So obviously I come into the worst parts where I'm like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Yeah, Evil Dead's not a movie you want to do that to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like horror, but if it gets to Saw levels of gore, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Evil Dead wasn't that bad. Didn't go that far. Saw, I'm like, I refuse. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into um, my feelings of the Berserk anime when I get to that episode, actually. Which is coming up soon. Yep. Ooh, I yeah. know. Oh, yeah. I know as of right now, um, Berserk should be recording soon. Uh Diagon Rampa 3 Future Ike is actually finally going to happen. <laughs> uh, and About time. There is another episode that is in the works that Roots was hinting at. Though, screw it. You already mentioned it. Is happening? Oh my god. I'm about to say, screw it. You already tweeted a teaser for it. We're going to be talking about It wasn't about even Aka. a teaser. He just flat out said, hey, uh, exactly. we're doing Aka. We're doing Aka, yes. Oh. I couldn't contain my excitement when I finally got approval to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have a f- we have more episodes in the works. Of course, of course, there's the spring season that's currently being planned out. We're not going to give details right now. Uh, um, let's just say we have a mystery guest. We've got a mystery guest. Oh, Woo-hoo! so much fun! Things are happening in the works. But anyway, if you're interested in any of the shenanigans from the three of us, of course, you can follow uh, Roots of Justice on Twitter at Roots of Justice. Um, You can also follow Spaceman Hardy on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy, as well as myself uh, at Lilac Anime Review, with review being sweet, R-E-V-U-E. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, If you want to follow any of the Dub Talk uh, crew's shenanigans in general, of course, the easiest way to do so would be subscribing to this channel here where we do a bunch of episodes and slowly expanding our shenanigans across the internet. Uh, we also have the Twitter, of course, at Dumb Talk Podcast, if you want to follow us there. And I actually get to talk about this. We are expanding in terms of social media presence. Uh, Dumb Talk now officially has an Instagram account as well as a Tumblr. So if you want to follow any, if you are a follower of the Instagrams, uh, I know I like using Instagram quite a bit, um, or the tumblers, like I know at least Megan and Andrew are. Uh, Dub Talk Podcast, those are the handles for both accounts if you want to search and find those. Uh, and I believe that's it for tonight. It is almost midnight. <laughs> I got to go. Just don't bed. expect don't expect any nude photographs from any of us except for maybe Sneebs. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> we never know what he's up to. We never, never know, know what he's up to. 
We never know anymore. Um, but yeah, that is it for us. From all of us here at Dub Talk 2, you have a fantastic night and otaku on, my friends. Keep Good it night. manly. Keep it manly. Same size of mine.